0: Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Greg Patton examines the Ten Commandments, and Jerry Tyson will look at the Lone Star State with today's Bible in the News Report. Before Greg gets started today, I want to let you know about the brand new email newsletters that are going out to thousands of inboxes every week with the latest information on current events in Bible prophecy and special video messages from our speakers. Get these email newsletters free of charge and stay informed. Sign up at swrc.com or call 1-800-652-1144. All of us at Watchmen on the Wall are eager for the brand new book by Greg Patton entitled Invisible War on the Saints. This powerful book will look at how, through Scripture, a person can have victory over the demonic forces that are all around us today. Make sure you stay tuned for your opportunity to get this new book. Let's open our Bibles and prepare our hearts to listen and learn from Greg Patton as he teaches on the Ten Commandments.
1: Have you ever watched the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston? Every time I watch it, I get excited. And how old is that thing anyway? And I was watching again recently. And the very last time, the last challenge to Pharaoh from Moses he knew all along, and you should as well, that God is leading in this thing. And when you know that, you are extremely confident, my Christian friend, in your walk and what you're doing. No mission is impossible for you, but you know God is directing. So you have quite a challenge. And in that last thing where Pharaoh said, yeah, you can go. Just go. Get out of my sight. Take all those people with you. Trailing off quietly as Moses, saying, what a man sows, that shall he also reap. That's true, my Christian friend. One of my favorite portions of Scripture from the time I was saved to this very day, and the first portion of Scripture I had my six children memorize was from the book of Psalm, the very first one. And here's what it says, blessed, happy. Do you want to be happy? You know every survey that's ever been taken in the last 50 years? Mark it down now. In my radio and television news career, surveys, research, all that stuff's a big deal to me. But here's one. If you could have anything that you would want in life, what would it be? And, of course, naturally, some of you hey, I would like to have a million dollars. How would that be? I have been sick so long, I would just like to have good health. And those are certainly noble. I would want those for myself. But guess what comes out number one year after year that people want more than anything else in all the world? happiness. I want happiness more than anything. And you have it right here and how to get it in the book of Psalm, verse 1 of Psalm 1. Happy or blessed is the man that walketh not. You don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. You don't stand in the way of sinners. You don't stand in the seat of the scornful. You don't sit there. But your delight is what? In the law of the Lord, in that Bible. Isn't that great? And in the Bible, in that law, doth you meditate day and night, and you're going to be like what? Four blessings of being righteous. You're going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Is that not unbelievable? I mean, that's so exciting and so simple. The ungodly are not there. It's not so. But they're like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly, my friend, they are going to perish. Isn't that something? Are you godly today, and are you walking in the counsel of the ungodly? There's been several things out there. I think probably the most famous was John Wesley, that he did something, and I think any ministry would do well to have this as kind of a daily devotion. I know that John Wesley, for over 200 years, questions came up about the life of those working the ministry, and that could be true here at Southwest Radio Church or at my church in Fort Wayne, Indiana, The Cross how are you doing in that Christian walk would be the question. Like what, Greg? Well, are you consciously or unconsciously creating the impression that you are really better than you are? In other words, are you a hypocrite? I get that so often out there that people would come to church, they would come to my church, if there weren't so many hypocrites there. <laughs> I'm tempted sometimes to tell these people, uh, we don't need one more, so you <laughs> you stay away. Oh, dear me. Yeah, but it can happen. You and I can go that route, my friend. Look at me. I'm something special. If you don't think so, let me tell you how much I read my Bible and pray and go soul winning. Come on now. Am I honest in all of my acts and words, or do I exaggerate. You know, you do that a lot in evangelism. I was going to go to a church up in Michigan. Believe it or not, I think it was Devil's Lake, Michigan. (laughs) It's the only place... I ever went with that name, Devil, in it. I talked to the pastor, and I was new in evangelism, of course, then it's, how big is your church, and things like that were always the first questions, it wasn't a matter, you just want me to come hold revival, I wanted to know a lot about you. And my goodness, he said, oh, I said, we're running about 500. Man, I cuffed the phone, I turned over to my wife, they're running 500 at this church. And I said, Well, that's fantastic. I'm ready to come anytime, preacher. And he said, well, Let me add to that. We're running 500, but we've only caught 50 of them so far. And I, what does that mean? Yeah. Am I honest? Do I exaggerate? He did. And evangelists do it all the time. Listen to some of their PR. Of how many churches they've been in, how many have been saved, and we're all guilty of it. It's because we want a little bit of the credit. Oh, God gets most of it. I just want a little bit of the credit of the great job that I have done. So ask yourself that Am I honest in all my acts and words, or do I exaggerate? How are you on gossip? People disguise gossip an awful lot in the church. Did you hear about Marvin? I'm telling you, my friend—now, we need to pray about this, but here's what happened to Marvin. Do you know what that is? That's nothing more than gossip. That's what you're doing here. You're just spreading gossip, my friend. Be very careful. Do I confidently pass on to another something that was told to me in confidence? And it's so easy to do. Christians are bent toward the flesh and bent toward doing exactly this. Oh, my goodness, the pastor—did you hear what happened to him? on and on and on. I've gotten that before. Somebody came to me and said, you know what? My sister saw you last night, and I thought, wait a minute. I was home studying for the messy." She saw me last night, said, yeah. You were at the Showgirl. We have three girly bars in Fort Wayne. Showgirl, one, two, and three. And I said, really? I said, yeah, she sat right behind you at the Showgirl last night, (laughs) and I'm thinking, what? I said, would you do me a favor? She said, what? I said, ask her if I was having a good time. What in the world are you talking about? I've never been to this showgirl in my life, but oh, yeah. I've been accused of going out of town. Someone saw me in a nearby city buying lottery tickets. You'll get it, my friend. Anytime you're trying to serve God, Satan will be in the middle of that thing, and you'll have all this garbage thrown at you. You know you. You know what truth is. And that brings us to the fourth point here. Can you be trusted? Can I trust you? I've had men say, hey, I would trust this preacher with my wife. Really? That's a pretty good trust. And hopefully you know people like that. I've given people money to care for me in different areas. I know from my church treasurer on down, every penny accounted for through both our church and Greg Patton Ministries to the penny that my brother keeps track of things. Fantastic. And so you want to be that kind of a person. You want people to be able to come to you. You know the saying, what happens in Las Vegas days, what happens in that council, in that talk, and I always assure everyone, unless otherwise told, What we're about to talk about is just here, right here, between you and me. So important. So I pray that you can be trusted. Number five, got to be careful here. I like to dress up. Now, most of my stuff comes from Goodwill, seriously. And a given Sunday, from the suits to the shoes, almost everything I buy is from a thrift store. In fact, I don't remember the last time I bought anything from a regular store. Number one, I couldn't afford it. Number two, I can usually find stuff in the thrift store that's every bit as good for about one-tenth the price, if not less. So are you a slave to any kind of dress? Are you a slave to say, hey, he is my friend? That's easy to do in the ministry. I've met a lot of famous people, both in the ministry and in the business of being in television news. Do you know I have been with four U.S. presidents? I have been to the White House, and I have the privilege of being one of those rare people in America, in the public, that stood in the White House right at the desk of Ronald Reagan. He was president at the time. Oh, I have been blessed in so many ways. My wife back in the day knew Sonny and Cher. We've been on their airplane. We went to the movies with Sonny and Cher, all that stuff. Let me drop a name or two here so that you can be impressed, my friend. But am I a slave to those people? How about work? One of the most dangerous things a pastor can do is he becomes a workaholic and neglects his family, reference to the ministry. You cannot do that somehow you have been fooled, because the family comes first. And once they are neglected, now if you have some sort of agreement, you've got things worked out, that's a different story, but you've got to be very careful. People can get in the church and have all kinds of bad habits. So often in the church, and you probably have people in your church, that cigarette habit. I'm the guy that smoked four packs a day, I know a little bit about that. I know how hard it is to quit that. but. We have a warning four times in the New Testament alone. You're not supposed to do anything to cause me to stumble. Are you causing me to stumble? I'll guarantee you, if the bad habit I had of cigarette smoking, you go out in my parking lot and light up is a problem. And people say, really, that's a member of your church, Brother Greg? You know, a person persuaded against their will, you're not going to be able to do it. They're of the same opinion still. They're going to do it. God's got to bring that. But I'll tell you what, why do you keep ignoring God? Uh, that's always surprising. And I have lost people in the church just making little comments about how bad cigarette smoking is. It ought to bring conviction and make you stop, not get mad and go to that next church and hope they accept you there doing that sin. And it is sin. Number six, am I self-conscious? Am I self-pitting? Am I self-justifying? It'd be good to look up all three of those and say, wait a minute, how does that work? Self-conscious of what? Self-pitying about what? Oh, a poor little old me party. I am in such trouble here. Yeah, think about that, my friend. And, and these are really good when you think about it. They will be good 200 years from now if the Lord tarries to be able to share this. One of those important things as you read the Bible is not just reading it, but Application putting it into your life? When God tells you to do something and not do something, is it working? If I were to ask you, what did you get out of the Word today? Number one, could you tell me what that was? Could you give me a portion of Scripture that you studied today? And then, how are you going to apply that message that God gave you through His Word to your life? Exactly, what are you going to do? I'll say again, it's so easy to talk the story But it's so hard oftentimes to live it. Are you a good giver? I have never been around somebody who's suffering too much who just gives and gives and gives. There are people out there that just do some unbelievable things with things that God has given them. It's not a matter of, gee, I have a little bit extra here. Would you like to have it? No, you give them the first fruits. Sometimes churches have those missionary drives where rather than take those things in your closet you don't wear anymore, don't like, or don't want, and throw them in the missionary closet, how about you go in there and get your best suit? How about you go in there and get your best tie, or whatever that thing is, and give that to the missionary closet? That is really something special my friend? And then do you give time to let God speak to you on a daily basis? And I'll ask again then, how did he speak to you today? He will always bring circumstances and things and people into your life that will challenge you. There are no accidents with God. Do you understand that? Everything, no matter how small, God does for a reason. I recently shared Three of the most important things that happened to me in my life. I want to emphasize those right now, if I might, because they're really a big deal. Number one certainly was salvation at age 27. That was such a big deal to go to that church, to hear that my life could be changed forever, and my past was under the blood of Jesus Christ, washed away by his shed blood, I don't know of a story that's better than that. should always be number one in your life. And let me ask you, can you tell me when that happened to you? Can you give me a day or a date or a time? That is so exciting, beloved. You need to be able to do that or at least be close in that situation. And we saw that in your life. Not just you saying that you were saved. We really saw that in your life. Second thing that happened to me changed me forever. My wife nearly died. As a matter of fact, according to the medical profession, she died three times in 2012. I came home on a Wednesday night after church service, and she was sitting on the steps leading to the second floor and holding her stomach, and my wife is one tough cookie, and I've said this so often, women are so much tougher than men. If you've ever seen one have a baby, you know what I'm talking about. How does a man describe having a baby? I know that he's in trouble in jail now, but Bill Cosby is the one who said it best. If you want to know what that experience is like, grab your lower lip, gentlemen, and pull it over the top of your head. When I heard that, I said, that would have to do it. I wouldn't want to go through that. I have been with my wife in the delivery room six times, and I know what an unbelievably tough woman she is. And when she says, And she's had migraines almost weekly since she was 13 years old, and she just keeps on working through the migraine, oftentimes running into the laboratory to vomit and then right back to work. So, yeah, I'll give it to my wife. She's a lot tougher than me. So when she says she wants to go to the emergency room, I know we have a problem being in that emergency room in a matter of minutes doctor there said we need to get your wife north to the main hospital immediately or she's gonna die sir and what happened there ladies and gentlemen was an unbelievable trip over the next 71 days that my wife spent in the intensive care unit and nearly passed away and for me it was such a change I don't know if you've ever slept in a chair for 71 days And just kind of not knowing what's going to happen next. Trusting God to work out all the details of all of this, but not knowing what's going to happen next. And for the first time, I heard this woman that I've been with all of my life, decade after decade after decade, summing me to her bed. And she said, I'm tired, Greg. I want to go home. And I said, excuse me? She said, I just, I can't do this anymore. I'm too tired, and I just want to go home. You know, sometimes you need somebody by your side that's going to encourage you. You throw your arm around, and they're tough. They can carry you at that time, and you may reverse that process in the days ahead. I was that one at this time for my wife. I just said, oh, no. Patents are not quitters, sweetheart. We're not going to quit. Now, if God says so, then there's something for us to think about here. You're going to get to see Jesus before I do, but that's his call, not ours. But you know what? I think there's a really good hospital that might be able to save you down in Indianapolis, Indiana. And what do you say we don't go down there before we go home?" And she kind of lit up, and I could see on her face that Isaiah 3-9, the countenance, it changed. My confidence was somehow passed on to her through Almighty God. Can I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen? They said that if my wife, they thought she would live, they would take her down by ambulance two hours to Indianapolis. If they were afraid she couldn't make it, they would send her down by Samaritan helicopter. And the next thing I knew, there was a crew in our hospital room getting my wife prepared via helicopter to head to Indianapolis, Indiana. And I'll say this again. That was one of those major events that changed me forever. Oftentimes, you really don't grow up in your spiritual walk to some great tragedy walks through your door. That was it for me. I learned in an unusual way, day after day, bathing In a public bathroom with my wife's hand towel they gave me to clean up with. That was it, day after day, saying, God, what's next? What's tomorrow? Just trust me for today, Greg. And that was so life-changing for me. That was the second experience. And the third you'll hear about in the days ahead, when our home came under a horrendous demonic attack, and I didn't know which way was up by the time that thing got started. Those three things, my salvation, my wife nearly passing, and the demonic attack has changed my life and ministry forever. And I'm hoping in the days ahead that it encourages everyone who hears our message to say, yep, there's something there. I'm just an average guy, just like those of you listening. We're all on the same page here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and
0: He'll direct your path. If you'd like a copy of Greg Patton's message on the Ten Commandments, call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or visit swrc.com. Our Fall Prophecy Conference in Columbus, Ohio has been canceled, but it will now be an online conference. Still the same great speakers, just online. Greg Patton, Bill Federer, Billy Crone, Larry Stamm, James Collins, Dr. Kenneth Hill, and Larry Spargamino. You can watch all the sessions on your schedule, when you want, as often as you want, from the comfort of your home. Register today for our Fall Virtual Prophecy Conference, swrc.com, and click on Conferences. Or you can register by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Have you heard about our brand new podcast? You can now listen to insightful interviews, current events from a biblical perspective, and prophecy that helps you make sense of the world around you. Subscribe today to both of our podcasts, Watchmen on the Wall and our brand new podcast, In the Beacon's Light. You can get these podcasts on iTunes, Google Podcast, Spotify, iHeart and tune in. Be sure and subscribe to our podcast today. In the Beacon's Light podcast is hosted by Jerry Tyson. New episodes of In the Beacon's Light are released each Tuesday and Friday. Jerry Tyson stops by now to share his thoughts on the governor of Texas in today's Bible in the News Report.
2: It's good to see a news item that reflects common sense and clear thinking. We've seen so many things recently that may have had many of us scratching our heads. So our hats are off for Governor Greg Abbott of Texas. This is from the Blaze Media, August 12th. quoting The state of Texas this week declared that performing transgender sex reassignment surgeries on minors constitutes child abuse. Republican Governor Greg Abbott made that announcement on Thursday after receiving a conclusive response on the matter from Texas Department of Family and Protective Services Commissioner Jamie Masters. Abbott had reportedly directed the DFPS last week to issue a determination on whether genital mutilation of a child for purposes of gender transitioning through reassignment surgery constitutes child abuse. In a response letter, Masters determined that it is. Genital mutilation of a child through reassignment surgery is child abuse. Masters wrote in her letter to the governor, This surgical procedure physically alters a child's genitalia for non-medical purposes, potentially inflicting irreversible harm to children's bodies. In a press release, Abbott announced that Masters' determination, as well as subsequent enforcement of her conclusions, are effective immediately. In her letter, Masters spelled out the legal responsibilities that professionals who witness suspected abuse have under Texas law. Pursuant to Texas Family Code, a professional who has cause to believe a child has been or may be abused must report that belief to DFPS within 48 hours after the professional first suspects the abuse. A professional may not delegate to or rely on another person to make the report. Professionals include teachers, nurses, doctors, daycare employees, and others who are either licensed by the state or work in a facility licensed or operated by the state and who have direct contact with children through their job. Failure to make a timely report about suspected abuse is considered a Class A misdemeanor and could result in jail time. The commissioner added that allegations involving genitalia mutilation of a child through reassignment surgery will be promptly and thoroughly investigated and any appropriate action will be taken. There are, of course, certain situations in which surgery on a child's genitalia may be necessary. Masters noted in the letter it may be warranted for the following conditions including but not limited to a child whose body parts have been affected by illness or trauma or who is born with a medically verifiable genetic disorder of sexual development such as the presence of both ovarian and testicular tissue or who does not have the normal sex chromosome structure for male or female as determined through genetic testing," she wrote. Whether children should be able to undergo sex reassignment surgery or other kinds of gender transition procedures has become a hot-button political issue of late as views continue to be put forward on gender identity. While on the campaign trail last year, President Joe Biden signaled support for children as young as eight years old being able to change their genders. Then, in a nod to the progressive movement, he nominated Dr. Rachel Levine, who identifies as a transgender woman, to be the United States Assistant Secretary for Health. During Levine's confirmation hearing, The health official refused to rule out allowing a child to override parental consent in pursuit of hormone therapy or sex change surgery. One cannot imagine the confusion an eight-year-old will experience when awakening from anesthesia and seeing such a tremendous change in his or her anatomy. That child will never grow to be a normal adult, capable of a normal relationship with a member of the opposite sex. If Dr. Richard, now calling himself Rachel Levine, and others of that thinking gain more ground, it's hard to imagine how many lives will be destroyed. What we are really seeing in nearly all of these cases is a parent who was unwilling to accept reality with the outcome of the birth sex of his or her child and ultimately forced their will on that child. This is parental abuse of the highest order. In Psalm 139, 14, David declared, I will praise thee, For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well.
0: What happened to the menorah, the golden lampstand that graced the Mosaic Tabernacle in the Temple of King Solomon? Can we trace its history? There are strange stories about the servant lamp that stood in the center of the menorah. Do these tales hold a special message from God? The Mystery of the Menorah by J.R. Church shares how the Menorah offers an important prophetic teaching for us today. This book tells about the history of the Menorah, its final resting place, and offers an important prophetic teaching for us today. The Mystery of the Menorah by J.R. Church is normally available for a gift of $20 or more. But for today only, this important book is available for a gift of $15 or more when you call one 800 652 That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also order online, swrc.com. Next time, Michael Smith will look at Samson's riddle, and Greg Patton will share what's important now. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com dot com.